0: This is Upload Media. Hello, hello, welcome, welcome to your favorite podcast
1: with your favorite host Caleb and Sarah. Here we are. We're here.
0: We're here. here Another episode. Right.
1: Are your ear holes ready? (laughs) Are they? Are they
0: though? Well, they are now.
1: Well, you should be. Prepare yourself. Take a moment. Prepare yourself. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. Hopefully you're prepared. (laughs) That was your moment. That's all
1: the time you get. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, before we get into our episode, I'd like to remind everyone to please review and rate and share our podcast. Give us five stars. Yeah, and
1: while you're at it, check out our uh, people who host our podcast, the uh, Upload Podcast Group. Whatever <laughs> upload they are. media. Right, upload media. Sorry, my bad. You really
2: nailed it there. I'm doing
1: great. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Two I just years, felt like I should we'll mention that. Yeah,
1: no, yeah. I feel like we've been doing this for a while, and every single time, it's the wrong word, and it's. Fine. It's just crazy because there's a picture of it right there. Upload media yeah. group. <laughs> the wow. timer is blocking the name. <laughs> so- oh, sorry. Let me just
0: there. Like, oh, there. Now you can really read. Oh, it. Yeah. oh my god. How are we supposed to figure uh, it out? Yeah. That right there, illegible. <laughs> this, perfect. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, I did really good in school. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Caleb is smart. Don't let this fool you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway. <laughs>
0: anyway, um, we're joined today with a really special guest. And I'm going to let her tell you all about her and the many amazing things that she does here in our community. But I just want to also start by saying, how lucky are we that we get to do this show with such amazing leaders and um, mm-hmm. just activists, important people, people There's who some, like, care?
1: Really cool people that we've had on the show.
0: Yeah, we've just been lucky. Yeah. Uh, blessed hashtag, hashtag blessed. blessed oh my Absolutely. god that was so cute oh my god us. you're cute <laughs> not as cute as you <laughs> anyway um we are here today with Miriam. Dowd. did I do that right? Yes, you did.
1: Okay. Welcome. Thank welcome,
2: Miriam. Come on down. Here <laughs> I'm she comes, sitting right here, actually. <laughs> um, yes, it is Miriam Daud. Um, most people just call me Mimi, so you guys are more than welcome to call me that. <gasps> That's so cute. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I um do a lot of fun things. I'm a board member of Advocates for Social Justice. Um, I work at the Riverview Center as a sexual assault survivor advocate. I'm starting up a new group called Artivists of Iowa, which is the intersection of art and activism. Mm. Um, and a bunch of cool things. I work at the Islamic Center of Cedar Rapids as a Sunday school teacher. I design shoes. I just do a bunch of fun stuff. You design shoes? I do. I paint like mainly air forces. Okay. Yeah.
1: That's amazing.
2: Thank you. you. Do you have like an Etsy shop or what? um no i just have kind of like it's by commission really okay. just whenever i have the time and the bandwidth to do sure. it um so i have an instagram page it's linked in my like main instagram bio which okay you well you i want to make sure find.
1: that we like put that in our show notes too Absolutely. That's oh my yeah. god that's so cute <laughs> thank you but yeah
2: i do that in all types of art so mm. yeah all commission based
1: so you've got a lot going on. You do. You do quite a bit of social justice work.
2: Yes. Um, working with people who have gone through some pretty intense trauma. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. It is. Yeah, it is a lot. Um, all different types of a lot. Like sure. <laughs> there's uh-huh. like the like emotional and sexual trauma. There's like my just developing my own secondhand trauma of like witnessing these systems perpetually fail. Continuous like groups of people, mm-hmm. um, and repeat like multiple groups of people. So I mean, yeah, it's definitely a lot. Um, and I'm not the only one in Iowa that feels this way. I think especially like living in Iowa, sure. it's extra frustrating compared to like different communities and environments that support our rights better. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, one thing, and this is kind of what uh Sarah and I found, or how we found you, um, is. The activism that you're engaging in right now, as regards the Israeli Gaza Palestinian um, situation,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and this was something that you know definitely is on our radar because it's in the news, it's being covered everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I can remember talking to Sarah and being like, "What the hell is going on here? Like, I feel like it's just so heavy. Like, what do we do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. And then she mentioned your name, and I looked you up on Face oh, on Instagram, and I was like, "Oh, she's she's talking about it. She's mm-hmm. doing the work." Um, and so we're really lucky to have you here.
0: Thank you. I uh, appreciate it. I'm lucky to be here. Yeah. Um, when I, Caleb and I follow, I don't even know who we follow on Instagram. Honestly, it's like a blind following spree Mm -hmm. when I'm bored. That's Um, what you do. And that's exactly what I do. (laughs) And I happened, we follow a lot of activists just because Mm -hmm. our algorithm is such that that's where we're headed. Um, and what the day I found you, Mimi, um, you had responded to a post of, I hope this is okay, and if it's not, we can take it out. Councilwoman Ashley Van Arnie's, um, a post that she had made, and I think she had expressed um, support for Israel, and you called that shit out. And I was like, oh, my God, I'd love to see it. Mm-hmm. And um, I was, I yeah, immediately messaged you and was like, you're a loud woman and I love that. Please Mm -hmm. be on our podcast. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important that people hold their elected officials accountable for what they say and what they do and what they post and Mm -hmm. what they're not saying. So thanks for being brave and um, setting that standard for the rest of us here in Cedar Rapids.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And it's okay with me if you keep it in there. And I think in general it should be okay to publicly criticize publicly elected officials once you put yourself in that responsibility position you have Mm -hmm. to be willing to receive open criticism and feedback and 100 that's what this is and that's what i was doing and i again encourage everyone to do so i mean since then me and ashley have had back and forth like communication about um what could have been done better we've met in person um Yeah, if you go about it the right way, there are definitely opportunities to meet with your elected officials and have those conversations. Whether or not they're receptive to it is a different problem. Sure. Um, But there are definitely opportunities to at least start those conversations and feel heard in some sense.
0: Love that. Yeah. So as Caleb mentioned, today we are going to be having a conversation about um, the Israel and Palestine conflict war. And... I want to point out before we start, um, I had told you guys, I feel like I could read about this for ages and still come away feeling significantly Mm underinformed. So, um, just keep in mind listeners that this is one hour of your time. Um, we are going to hit many different things, but it's always important for you to go do your own research for you to read, for you to keep informed on these issues. Um, and not rely on any one singular um, media outlet for your information, whether it's us or a news outlet. So just keep that in mind. Um, and of course, because this has been going on for decades um, we can't do this conversation justice in <coughs> an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, just a little preface before we go. Yeah. Yeah. So, let's start um, talking about, by talking about, um, there's a lot of news coverage about the situation. Um, It seems like there are many opinions, many people who are coming out as activists or um, as... Making statements, et cetera. Celebrities, Mm -hmm. politicians, Mm -hmm. everybody's
1: like having an opinion about it. Mm-hmm. And it seems like there's, you know, almost too much, too many voices, you know, sometimes is when, I, when I've come into it, mm-hmm. that it's like, how do I form my own opinion, mm-hmm. you know? And I think the news isn't help, very helpful. Um, you know, don't feel like there's like maybe a level of distrust about it too. Um, but what's one thing that you feel like you wish that we knew about like how it's being portrayed, I guess?
2: Yeah, I think one trend that specifically myself and other Palestinians and Palestinian activists like keep on saying is look at the difference between who's telling you what's happening and who's showing you what's happening. Mm. Um, and that's, that's very telling in the way that um, the media portrays the stories of um what happened on October 7th and afterwards to Israel compared to what the Palestinians have been saying for decades for 75 years now um yeah it's just and and it's kind of like shocking to me also that it's not super obvious to like the common eye to like be critical about the information you're receiving and know to check your sources and know to take things with a grain of salt and it's it's just shockingly not like an obvious thing for people to do, but yeah, I would just say like be very critical of the information you're receiving. Be critical of the information that pops up on your screen. Don't take don't take things as they are, um, especially from um, media that is notorious for um, spreading misinformation and spreading propaganda, and certain news channels that do that, and, and also from a government that is notorious like notoriously well known for lying sure. um, and for like misrepresenting the issue.
1: And you're talking about Israel. Yes.
2: Yeah. 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 I mean, we have seen in many scenarios where the IDF and the Israeli government has lied. Mm-hmm. Um, it's One like of documented. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, documented like, cases from the IDF. You're lying
1: about this. Yeah. Right.
2: Um, and also, speaking of the IDF, just like a clarification, I'm going to refer to them as the IOF, the Israeli Offensive Forces. And the reason mm-hmm. why me and other Palestinian activists do that is because we believe that Israel is standing on an offensive mm-hmm. stance and not a defensive stance. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the IOF has repeatedly lied. I mean, most recently, I just saw something um, from... Uh, the IDF tweets Instagram page where they posted like a Druze IOF soldier standing with an elderly Palestinian man helping him. And then two swipes later, I see eye on Palestine and they shot him dead, like mm-hmm. right after. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like so a the, photo op. Yeah, exactly. They like used and manipulated this man, made him feel safe, made him feel he- heard to use him as a photo op, and then killed him immediately after. And they posted it, knowing full well what they did, um, and they still posted it to again like manipulate the media. We also just like see that IDF is like tweeting stuff in English and based off of like American like Central Standard Time and Eastern Standard Time. It's Mm -hmm. like, why? Who are you posting this for? Sure, you're obviously posting it for the American eye, Mm -hmm. and it's like warnings to the Palestinian people that is inaccessible to the Palestinian people anyways. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's like. Wildly obvious cases of propaganda that the media is also perpetuating and reinforcing, and mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I just I just keep saying like be critical and and don't take everything at face value and um, know that this is this has been a longstanding trend from the sure. IDF.
1: I think it's important to note too that like <clears throat> with almost any you know form of oppression throughout history, like the apartheid in South Africa um, you know African Americans in you know in the United States or even like the native indigenous peoples like who gets to control the narrative mm-hmm. right and I think so often the oppressor gets to control the narrative right, right. throughout history right. and so that comes from a certain bias and diff- different prejudice. And a lot of times they want to gloss over, you know, the things that they're doing mm-hmm. that were, you know, manipulative or oppressive or evil. Yeah. Um. And then <laughs> on the flip side also like justify their actions, you know, and it's like, yikes. And we're watching it happen in real time.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's also like so sneaky that like, even I catch myself not noticing it, mm. knowing their turns, knowing how manipulative they can be like the Israeli government and media, i uh, like even yesterday was when i was looking over like our notes and everything we were talking about for the podcast i was reflecting on like the change in language and how like they have gradually been representing the issue differently it started as like this isn't an attack on hamas this isn't uh, or i'm sorry this isn't an attack on innocent civilians this is only an attack on hamas we're not going to harm innocent civilians and then it went to, like, this language where it's like, well, civilians are, like, inevitable collateral damage. They're mm-hmm. going to mm-hmm. get hurt in a war that's to be expected. It's what we have to do to get Hamas. Now the language is changing to the people of Gaza elected Hamas, so they deserve it. Mm-hmm. And the lives of Gaza are worth, like, losing because they are somehow also at fault for what happened and what Hamas did. And it's worth it to do it to get However, many Hamas members killed, Um, which, by the way, is a very insignificant number. They've only killed, I think, relative about 70 Hamas members compared to the about 11,000 like Gazan civilians. So, yeah, it's 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 sneaky. It creeps up on you. It's Mm -hmm. gaslighty. It's literally like. I don't know if you guys saw, like, the interview of Bessem and, and, and on Piers Morgan and uncensored, mm-hmm. but he was like, it feels like we're in a relationship with a narcissistic psychopath. Like, he, mm. they will manipulate and gaslight and change the narrative and make it seem like you're crazy and you're violent when they're the aggressors. And yeah. that's exactly how it feels to be <coughs> manipulated by the IDF <coughs> or, or the IOF and the Israeli government.
1: Right. One thing that I definitely saw um, <coughs> on instagram i follow this activist and he was talking about the fact that there's this like false equivalency right between hamas and between israel yeah um and the difference is that there's no equivalency because israel has so much more power yeah like so much more power like it's kind of insane how much more power they have over hamas and it's like you know they're throwing like you know. They're trying to fight for their own liberation, but mm-hmm. then Israel has is like essentially a military superpower with the backing of the United States and a lot of people in the EU and whatnot. Yeah. Um, that that, the way it's being portrayed, it's just it's false, right? Yeah. Like it's, it feels wrong.
2: Yeah, it's. And it, what universe would Hamas be able to cut off the electricity? water supply and like humanitarian aid going into Israel. That would, right. that would that, There was no world where that would be allowed to happen, where that existed does not exist. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we can see Israel cutting off the water, electricity, food access, not allowing humanitarian aid in. And when they do, they like also bomb the trucks, like with full of humanitarian, humanitarian aid on its way to Gaza and civilians. There, there's no situation where, like one political party could do something like that and it wouldn't be such an insane, like imbalanced power dynamic, mm-hmm. but because it is Israel and Palestine and because it is a quote unquote complicated issue and because it's been muddied by um, like Hamas being like globally identified, identified as a terrorist group and all this stuff, like oh, this whole situation has been muddied. And so now, um, like we don't view the situation for what it is. We view it with all its mud mm-hmm. and it makes the situation unclear to so many people.
1: Right. And so this kind of goes into, I guess the next topic is yeah. context, mm-hmm. right? That there's so much history behind mm-hmm. this conflict um, and stuff that I didn't even know until we started you know, really diving into this in my own research and whatnot. Um, but could you maybe talk a little bit about the context for the for the conflict. Cause it's been, it has been yeah. in conflict since, I don't know, since Israel became a country right in 48, but even before that, really.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, the, before Israel was established, Pal- the Palestinian land was under British mandate. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was, a document called the Balfour Declaration declaration that was signed in 1917 and went went into effect in 1923, which allowed for Jewish people to immigrate into Palestine um, based off of the anti-Semitism they were facing in Europe and establish a state on Palestinian land. Um, This was against the wishes of the Palestinian people and did not take into consideration what their leaders had to say. And then obviously World War II happened, the Holocaust, Holocaust happened, which was I the hope we can all agree is an atrocity there's no mm-hmm. debate about that um and then after that there was a huge influx of european jewish immigrants into palestine and that's really when the full like force of supporting israel began um israel continued to expand and um, in 1948 is what then is when the Nakba happened, and that um, is an Arabic word Nakba that translates to catastrophe in English, and that's when a, almost a million Palestinians were like displaced from their homes and had to flee to neighboring countries, flee overseas, and a lot of them flee to Gaza. Um, and since then, like Israel has just kept pushing the bounds and pushing their boundaries and open, and and increasing their borders and. Um, Despite every peace treaty and every call for a ceasefire, they have um, disobeyed that time and time again. Um, And so then they put Gaza into a blockade after Hamas essentially became a thing and was elected. um, Because Hamas
1: is a political party. So Hamas is a...
2: Hamas is a political party. It is legally or like globally considered a terrorist group as well, a militant okay. terrorist group. Um, but they were elected by Gaza in 2006. Um, and then coincidentally after Israel stripped away, um, people in East Jerusalem's right to go to polling like locations, Palestinians specifically. Mm. And so because of that, um, a member of the PA, uh, I think his name is Mohammed Abbas, um, he made it to where he kept canceling future elections because the people of East Jerusalem couldn't vote. Mm. And so then Hamas just couldn't... Hamas had agreed time and time again to hold re-elections. If they were to be voted out, then that's fine. They'd be voted out. Um, but because Israel stripped away like Palestinians' right to vote and um, the president of the Palestinian Authority um, didn't kept canceling the um, elections, there was no re-election and Hamas stayed in power. Mm. And then the blockade happened for... Um, about 15 years. And then a few years ago, the blockade was quote unquote lifted. But at that point, they had already developed the border wall to protect Israel from Gaza. Um, And I say this, putting up finger quotations, (laughs) obviously, for those who can't see. Um, But yeah, and and I mean, it just persisted over and over again. And um, now we're here today where Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th, which there was actually, like, and I actually just learned this myself two days ago, so this is a wild new piece of information I have, but... Um, There was apparently like a deal or a peace deal that was supposed to happen between the U.S. and um, Saudi Arabia and Israel that would normalize that would create normalizations between U.S. and the Middle East. Um, And to include Israel in that conversation, Saudi Arabia essentially said Saudi Arabia has been notorious for not ever recognizing Israel as a state. And so they were like, we'll recognize you as a state if you concede to the needs and wants and requests of the Palestinian people. Mm Netanyahu and his right wing government essentially said, eh, like, whatever, dismissed it. Um, and I'm using very, like, relaxed terms because it's a lot of bureaucratic language. But um, essentially said, like, his right wing government won't really agree to that, but they still need that normalization with the Israeli government. And so they went ahead with, they were going to go ahead with the deal and ignore the needs and wants of the Palestinian government. Mm-hmm. And this was, all this conversation was happening for a month uh, before the October 7th attack. And then Hamas attacked and retaliated once they realized that their name was taken out of this peace deal and they were not going to go back to the borderlines as drawn out in the 1960s based off of the Oslo records, I believe. And so, um, yeah, so there's there's a lot of context leading up to what happened on October 7th. It wasn't just an unprovoked attack like people like to paint it as. It was a response to approximately um, over seven decades of oppression and apartheid. That is not the only time that the Gazans have experienced violence. This month is not the only time that the Gazans have experienced carpet bombing. In 2008, there was like a 21-day attack by the Israeli government where they also, um, on the first day of that 21-day attack, dropped 100 tons of bombs on Gaza. So this isn't this isn't anything new to the people of Gaza. This is nothing new. What is new is to the people of Israel. This is the first time that they have experienced anything like what the Gazans have been experiencing for decades. Mm. And they didn't like it and they shouldn't. Nobody should. Nobody right. should be happy with that type of violence and terror but our point here is that if you guys are so incredibly hurt by what happened on October 7th, you should be disgusted and appalled by what has been happening for the past 75 years. And that that's our, that's our main point. No, no innocent civilian should die. Mm -hmm. No one should be killed. Um, I don't believe that it is well within anybody's right to take away another human life. Um, it's not our right to play God. Um, but it's, it's just, what's enraging to Palestinian act- activists is the hypocrisy that yeah. everyone, like you said, every politician, every celebrity, every, every person and their mom was posting about like Ham- the Hamas attack on October 7th, and nobody had been speaking about Palestine. And that's the problem we have. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: think that here in America, at least, with people who are uninformed um, and privileged, we associate all and I say we as like the proverbial we associate all Palestinians with being in support of Hamas mm-hmm. but it sounds like that's not
2: the case no actually there was and even before Hamas existed there was other political parties that were getting a lot of political control um, specifically there was like the Palestinian Liberation Organization the PLO um, and FAT F-A-T-A-H um, I think in like American pronunciation it's Fatah um, and so That was a political party that was gaining a lot of um, like attraction and a lot of power and that threatened the sovereignty of Israel um, because that meant that the Palestinian people would be forming their own like authority and their government that would be stronger. That would mean that the Palestinian people were united um, and that was threatening to Israel for obvious reasons. And so they quite literally created and funded Hamas to deregulate Palestinian politics to separate the Palestinian vote into two. Um, and if you look up uh, Avner Cohen, he told the Wall Street Journal that in 2009 that um, they did so to deregulate Palestinian politics. And he he was a religious affairs official in Israel that worked in Gaza for two decades. And he warned his colleagues that this would come back and bite them in, in the butt. And it did. Mm-hmm. And it w- very much did. Um, <coughs> it did that and more. And so...
1: Yeah, they created this monster.
2: Yes, exactly. And, yeah. and um, <clears throat> again, like... Hamas, Hamas is a complicated issue in and of itself, but Hamas was also like backed by Iran, um backed by the Muslim Brotherhood of Egypt, mm. backed by multiple um political parties that are also in and of in and of themselves problematic, and so I think it's very easy to also label Hamas as problematic, whether or not it's rightfully so is not my not my place to say, but it's very easy to automatically assume that they're problematic because of where they started and because of who supports them.
1: Sure.
0: Yeah. So is this fight even about land anymore or is it about and was it ever and or is it more about Palestinians having the right
2: to govern themselves and live freely? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think for sure in the beginning probably like more so before um, it got as bad as it did today it was much more about land and getting their land back and I think a lot of Palestinians have unfortunately have to accept the reality that that might not ever happen in their lifetime or um, might not ever happen at all Mm -hmm. um and so now it's about protecting themselves and making sure that they are free and liberated um with while also coexisting with israelis and whatever that looks like and again palestinians are a diverse group of people they all have different opinions for what that can look like they have different opinions for what liberation looks like um but specifically talking about like palestinian political powers they have um changed the narrative from no longer wanting Israel to exist at all to accepting that Israel exists but wanting their own freedom and like state alongside or next to Israel where they can also move around their land freely. Um yeah, so I I think right now like the much of the conversation is about um making sure that the Israeli people have no more political say over the Palestinian people. Um, I don't think any Palestinian activists right now, or most of them at least, aren't calling for the dissolution of Israel, at least not in a, in a realistic sense. Although probably many of them wanted or had hoped that none of this would have happened in the first place, I think we can all come to the realization that that won't realistically happen anytime soon. So now it's just about making sure that Palestinians are liberated, they have their own government, they are not being killed on a day-to-day basis um, by the Israeli government, um, or aren't being apartheided or ethnically cleansed anymore wow Hmm. yeah heavy stuff it is heavy stuff yeah
0: i think on that note we should take a quick break and then come back and hear more sounds great sounds good
2: to me
1: Again, (laughs) thank you for being here with us and having this conversation with us. Happy to do it. Um, I think something that's a part of the challenge of this is to lean into the discomfort of, you know, having the conversation about these really heavy topics. Yeah. Right, and I think part of it is that there's so much um, uh, misinformation and, like, conflation, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think part of the next um, topic is not wanting to be, um, or I guess part of the problem with any of the conversations is that people will, if you support Palestinians in any way, then you're like automatically labeled as Mm -hmm. anti-Semitic. And that like, if you, you have to agree with the nation state of Israel and its choices uh, and its actions, otherwise you are being labeled as an anti-Semite. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's a that's a horrible place to be, where you're conflating the nation of Israel with hating Jews, mm-hmm. you know, or hating you know Palestinians or whatever it is. And it's like these things are not the same, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was wondering if you could kind of talk about, um, you know, this kind of, I don't know, this issue with anti-Semitism, um, when talking about this issue.
2: Yeah. Um. I think the first thing is like properly defining zionism mm. um and knowing where it comes from and where it stems from um ironically enough zionism and anti-semitism actually go hand in hand and once one rises the other does as well and so in europe when anti-semitism was on the rise um so was this uh, ideology of zionism that um, Jewish individuals are going to be persecuted anywhere outside of their homeland and are going, are going to continuously um, be killed and discriminated against um, because they were displaced from their homeland um, however many thousand years ago. And so the only way to ensure the protection and prosperity of Jewish people is by an, ensuring that there is a Jewish homeland and a Jewish state. Um, and this um, actually was, um, really took, like fruition, um, from the Theodore Herzl, um, in his uh document Der Judenstadt and it was really just this idea that, again, perpetuating Zionism, um. Mainly focusing on political Zionism, which again is just like this establishment of a government that is going to be in the interest of the Jewish people. That that is going to take place in the homeland. There were different conversations about what that Jewish where that Jewish state was going to be. There were actually conversations that it was going to be in like Argentina and Eritrea, like a oh, bunch yeah, of I've other places. It wasn't even going to it wasn't necessarily going to be in Palestine. Right. Um. But because of Judea from the Bible, that's mm-hmm. where like the main choice was. Um, and because of the British mandate, that's where it ended up being. Um, but interestingly, interestingly enough, in Der Herzl was like very accommodating to the people that were like indigenous and made multiple declarations that the people that immigrate to the Palestinian land should be respectful of the indigenous people should allow Mm. them to have their rights should not impede on their homes. And if, if they come and they ask to coexist with them or own rights to the land and the indigenous people say no, then they must concede and move on to the next territory that they are able to get. Mm. Um, And you see that in the doctrine in that, and he's one of the forefront leaders of Zionism um, Mm. back when it was first, like on the coming up um, before world war two. And so, it's just interesting to see how Zionism has changed over the years and and it's also important to note the difference between political ju- Zionism and religious Zionism. Mm. Religious Zionism is in the uh in Judaism it's in this belief that um the Messiah will return. Um both in Christianity and Judaism actually the Messiah will return once Jewish people return to their homeland. And then Christianity differs in the sense that um these two like leaders of the christian faith will help the jewish people fight off their oppressors and then that's when the messiah will come to reward christians for helping their jewish brothers and sisters um depending on the sect that you believe in um and so religious zionism not a problem you can have whatever religious belief you want to have if that's how you believe the end of times will come into fruition that's fine the problem then it comes with political zionism that this establishing this homeland um Gives or the want to establish this homeland gives Jewish people, specifically European Jewish people, the right to have an ethno-religious state and to displace and kill uh, millions of individuals to achieve this um, Jewish homeland. Um, And many people, many Jews specifically, Um, feel sympathy and accept religious zionism but completely disagree with political zionism Mm. and completely disagree with how it's being carried out and that's why so many people like to call anti-zionism anti-semitism because they might perceive it as us like taking away jewish people's belief that they have the right to their homeland restricting them from carrying out their religious beliefs and practices and protecting themselves That's not what it is. Jewish people, like any other ethnic group and any religious group, has the right to live wherever they'd like to live. Mm. They should seek whatever homeland they would like to seek. But the means that that has been carried out in and the means that they are carrying out in today is completely unethical and immoral Mm. and is insulting to the Jewish faith. Um, I have myself been like an advocate against anti-Semitism. I've been in spaces where I've heard anti-Semitic remarks, where I've seen anti-Semitic behaviors, and I am the first person to detest it and condemn it. Um, Anyone who knows me in my activist circles knows that the second that I see anything looking like anti-Semitism or hinting towards anti-Semitism, I shut it down. Um, The problem then is that when, because of the state of Israel, and because the state of Israel... um, is dependent on the oppression of the Palestinians, because if we were to liberate Palestinians, then that would threaten the sovereignty of Israel. That means that fighting for Palestinian liberation means the dissolution of Israel or for whatever reason, critiquing Israel's right to exist. Um, And because Zionism and, um semitism are often conflated then anti-zionism becomes anti-semitism and that's just simply not true i mean you look at jewish voices for peace you look at if not now you look at um several organizations that include jewish members and are actively pro-palestinian and they say that this is not the way we want our jewish homeland to take place we this is not how we want it to see come into fruition um and the Jewish faith is a beautiful faith. And there are several beautiful individuals that I work alongside with to mm-hmm. advocate for Palestinian rights in Iowa. Um, and it's just, it's just, it's a very interesting, again, it's just like a form of manipulation. It's like using the trauma of Jews, using the trauma of Jewish people from the Holocaust to somehow <laughs> excuse and justify traumatizing yet another community. And I, yeah. I think that that is disgusting. Like that, that is anti-Semitic sure. mm-hmm. labeling, all jewish people as a monolith because they are not and saying that they are all represented by israel when they are not those to me that to me is more anti-semitic than ever being pro-palestinian sure Mm -hmm. yeah
1: and it's possible for israel itself to be anti-semitic right yeah i
2: mean we see like we've seen with ethiopian jewish women that mm -hmm. were like in transit camps coming into israel Um, they were sterilized without their consent. They were given, um, birth control injections that resulted in long-term infertility and osteoporosis without their informed consent. And then when they eventually immigrated into Israel, the doctors there just continued the treatment with no question. And then years later they find out they can't have children. They have long lasting health problems. Um, and the Israeli Ministry of Health in 2013, I believe like conducted an internal like review process, internal investigation, quote sure. unquote, to see if any like violations like human rights violations <coughs> took place. Um, and of and course I, they found that. I, I actually, that's a good question. I'm not totally sure, oh, sure. whether or not they found, I from what I remember they found no foul play and if they did nothing has come of it like mm. these women were not like did not find justice in any way for sure um what I do know for sure is that they repressed it like I there are like I found out about it years and years ago I found about out about it like pretty soon after the ministry of health like released that they were doing an investigation um so I was like a ripe 12 years old reading about this and um I looked was trying to like find articles back from when I read about it when I was 12 and I c- can't find them. And the only thing I can find is something that was like published in the, the Journal of Ethiopian Studies by Steve Kaplan and he wrote like a scientific article or like a like a published article about it and that's the only thing that I can find mm. that's credible but like almost everything else I really can't even find it. Um so it's just it's just interesting like even if they found they were guilty even if these like women did deserve some type of justice. Like they repress the hell out of this type of information. Sure. They they just suppress it as much as they can. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I can't imagine how a Jewish homeland can exist for the preservation of all Jewish people, but it's only select Jewish people. It's only the Jewish right. people we like. It's only mm-hmm. the Jewish people who look like us and act like us and talk like us. It's not mm-hmm. the Jewish people that, um, Look differently than us, and again goes back to Jewish people are not a monolith. There are Jewish people of, of about every single ethnicity, like the, yeah. of every look, every race, every shape and color. That's it's ridiculous to think that a state that is predominantly white it would represent all Jewish people. Right. Hmm.
0: So, not only is a lot of important information being repressed and hidden um, from all of us, but there's a lot of dehumanizing language being used in the media. Yeah. Um, things like, I see here, we're fighting human animals. Yep. Um, so, can we talk a little bit about um, how the media is using certain language to portray um, the Jewish community and then completely different? Um, really derogatory language to refer to Palestinians
2: yeah I mean I I just what's happening is I'm seeing a lot more sympathy with um, Israel than I've ever seen like in my lifetime like there's so much sympathy because it's really easy to sympathize with like one event Mm -hmm. um like one terrorist attack especially when like our entire like media propaganda has been centered around dehumanizing muslims and like painting muslims as a monolith and painting arabs as a monolith who are all just like barbarians and terrorists like ready to blow your house down and um it's really easy to then turn around be like ah the muslims are back at it again yet bombing Mm -hmm. another like people we sympathize with and so um i i can definitely see that like the media has been much more sympathetic towards israelis and then when it comes to like the palestinians the language is just it's just interesting like it's it feels like everyone's kind of hesitant to first acknowledge that there like is a like palestinian people like we recognize that something called palestine exists and we've like associated it somewhat with this land associated it somewhat with the nation but we have yet to actually and fully associate it with a people mm. like there are these are people these are human beings with stories that like have jobs and go to school and like play with their kids with in their backyards with, and, with, yeah. and, and yeah, they yeah, listen like, to music yeah. and they eat good food like mm-hmm. these are human beings sure. and and the language is just it's not <clears throat> it's not fully, I mean, even, like, when we look at, like, how people label label it, they call it the Israel and Hamas war. Mm. They don't even, like, talk about how Gazans are being affected. It's, like, as if Hamas is the only person or entity being affected by this war, and that's just simply not the case. Um, And again, just, like, just about, like, how the media perpetuates it, like, we we just keep talking time and time again about, um, like, misrepresenting how many people have been um killed on on either side like we we're saying like oh well we've killed like this many hamas leaders and then not including like how many gaza civilians have been killed Mm -hmm. um in that number so it's like oh we killed like about 100 hamas leaders but then ignoring like just coincidentally the eleven thousand that were killed alongside them um and then with that, like, there are also, like, journalists that have been labeled Hamas terrorists by the IDF. Mm-hmm. So, like, Maltese Aziza, um, Besan Wizard, Plastia, like, all these, like, well-known, like, on-the-ground Gazan journalists are also saying that they are, like, on the red list mm-hmm. for, like, as Hamas leaders. And so how many of these Hamas, quote-unquote, leaders were actually journalists or mm-hmm. politicians or, yeah. like, UN sure. representatives? Like, what is, the, what is the actual number? Yeah. I then, remember,
1: sorry i remember mm-hmm. seeing that like uh journalist being killed and i'm like that's a that's a war crime like you can you can't do that
2: no you can't do so much and of what like they're and it's just like you're glossing
1: over it it's like oh yeah
2: yeah just just casually mm-hmm. collateral damage that's yeah. because they again like it's just they, they're just so manipulative like if you if you're going to label a journalist a hamas terrorist then obviously it's easier to get away with sure. like killing them but then when we look at like the number of israelis killed it's always like 1400 jews it's always just, like, 1,400 Jews killed. Never mind the fact that, like, about two-thirds of those people were Israeli soldiers. Mm. Israeli soldiers were, like, a huge chunk of that number. The other third, there are there is several wist- witness testimony that Israel was dropping airstrikes from the sky on their own people to try and eradicate Hamas, like, on Israel proper. Mm. And so, like, the it, Hamas didn't kill fourteen hundred innocent Jewish people. Hamas killed about a thousand IDF soldiers, and then kill, and then IDF killed or I O F killed hundreds of their own people. Yeah. So, again, it's just like it's just an insane like misrepresentation of the numbers. It's so purposefully misleading. Like yes, technically fourteen hundred Jewish people were killed, but what was the role of these? like individuals in Israel like how many of them were like killed by their own government and uh, and military how many of them were part of the military and the Hamas was like l- legally fighting back against an army um yeah and then again just like never fully representing like the numbers and always just like depersonalizing palestine never associating it with like human beings or a people or a culture and and it just really again it's just further dehumanizing um and I don't know if you guys like saw like in the Knesset which is like the gathering of kind of like congress for Israel um there was like a Israeli politician and she was saying like a child life is another is a child life like they're equal and every Gazan child that's been killed during this is um equivalent to an Israeli child and um someone who's not even like a right wing politician in Israel she's actually like a liberal centrist she like stood up and she was like they are not the same like the people the children of Gaza asked for this they called this upon themselves how and could a child ever ask for something like that it's like gaza is made up of like almost 50% children or like uh, around like over half of them are children mm-hmm. and um maybe not over half we'll have to double check on that but a good um, a good amount of them are children and it's like okay yes the people of Gaza who could vote um elected Hamas but if 50% of the population can't vote does that mean anything like does that even exactly. hold any validity and if you're killing 4000 children then you're killing a bunch of people who had no nothing absolutely nothing to do with like Gazan politics, and so it's just, it's it's right. wild. Are it's children
1: guilty of the crimes of their parents? Like
2: No, never, why? and if that were the case, then indigenous <clears throat> people here in America could kill us all. Oh yeah, <laughs> Justifiably. Yeah. 100%.
1: Yeah. See, that's the thing, it's like, there's these false equivalencies, right? It's mm-hmm. just like, why would you group in all these people together, mm-hmm. and then justify? You have to do so many, m- so much mental gymnastics yeah. in order to justify the killing of children
2: it makes no sense it makes no sense yeah and then like carpet bombing (laughs) i was also like think about like the hostages like they claim that this many hostages are being held and they're trying to get back these hostages it's like how are your hostages still alive if they're being held by hamas and you're carpet bombing gaza how many of those are left how many of those Mm. did you kill Mm. are those part of the numbers of the 1400 jews killed are those like have you included them in there the hostages that you're putting at risk right it's just I could go on about this for a while, but it's it's just wild like how differently we value Arab Palestinian life compared to the life of an Israeli, mm-hmm. um, specifically how American poli- po- politicians view it. It's disgusting.
1: Sure. Well, I think a lot of it for me because I grew up very evangelical white Christian, right And I can remember after 9/11 happened, like my dad saying something to the effect of like, we just need to bomb Iran out of, or Iraq off the face of the planet, mm-hmm. you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. And, like, to my young child, you know, mind, like, I didn't have any grasp of what that could even mean, right. you know? But, like, now that i as an adult, like, I'm like, that sentiment is so fucking disgusting mm-hmm. yeah. to me. And I feel like a lot of that is held within white evangelical culture. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's Christians versus Islam. And mm-hmm. it's like, Islam is dangerous because it's like, they're all terrorists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? They, I, yeah, they, they all. Yeah. Yeah. All, all of Islam, all, of, all Muslims are terrorists. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember like growing up with that thinking because mm-hmm. that was the culture that I grew up in. And it was like, I had to do a lot of work to like deconstruct that.
2: Do you know how easy it is for people to like flip the narrative and, and view Americans that way? Oh yeah. How many countries could really have it mm-hmm. out for us and completely obliterate us if oh, they yeah. wanted to? That's definitely I've thought about that and a lot. And somehow they're the terrorists. Like right. the people that are like mm-hmm. just taking it and taking it and biting mm-hmm. the bullet and and still listening to UN resolutions and still abiding by peace treaties. Mm-hmm. They're the terrorists, but but they, Israel can like break like over like forty UN resolutions mm-hmm. and not face a single repercussion. Right? Mm-hmm. It's 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 wild. It's the hypocrisy is insane. The hypocrisy is insane. It's so bad. Like, yeah. Again, I could go on, go on about that for a while. <laughs> well, it's like yeah. Excuse
1: whiteness. You know, it's mm-hmm. like the the dominant culture. The people with all the money, with all the power, get to write the rules. And if they break the rules, then it's okay, but if anybody else breaks those rules, then it's like, oh God, watch out, we have to punish you.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, which I've also, like, I've had multiple conversations about, like, why the word terrorist is so triggering to me, like, specifically because of that. Mm -hmm. It's because it's just so widely misused. Mm -hmm. Like, Hamas, technically yes is a terrorist group like terrorism is like any act of violence that is for political gain and Mm -hmm. hamas is executing acts of violence for political gain and for political resistance so yes hamas is a terrorist group but isn't also the u.s like isn't also israel isn't also the uk and it's like why are you not also equally labeling every single entity and government and group that has done the exact same thing, if not more heinous things than Hamas. Totally. We and don't want accountability. Come and beca- it's because they look like the stereotypical terrorists because mm-hmm. they, like, wear, like, the keffiyeh. They look like Arabs. They're brown. And mm-hmm. if they look a certain way, then, oh, that's a terrorist. And if they don't look a certain way, then, oh, it's a government protecting itself. Right, or a freedom fighter or something, right? You
1: know, and it's like,
2: okay. Yeah, so, like it's racism yeah it's like so like even when someone is like do you like believe hamas is a terrorist group it's like yes but like also with the stipulation that i also believe most governments and entities are also terrorist groups Mm. and i can't i don't feel i feel like weird about saying yes without also like pressuring other people to also acknowledge that all these other entities are terrorist Mm. groups because Mm. i could never as a muslim like like further that perpetuation that only muslims can be terrorists right Mm -hmm. because that's not true and that's how it feels these days totally Mm yeah
1: well yeah that's the language yeah yeah and language means a lot Mm -hmm. yeah it does it
2: it does and like even like when we look at like yes the literal definition of a terrorist but that's not even like fully like what it's socially accepted as like it's not just simply because, like, an act of violence for political gain isn't necessarily the worst thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. we're, like, talking about, like, like resistance groups. Those sure. are also active, acts of violence, technically, mm-hmm. for political gain and resistance. Mm-hmm. That's also con- technically terrorism. But do we, like, don't we feel, like, this negative connotation with that word because it's been used so negatively and so racially mm-hmm. that... I just I just feel like labeling Hamas as a terrorist group and leaving it at, at that misrepresents the issue of Palestine. Sure. Yeah.
0: Why yeah. do you think Americans in particular feel so empowered to use language like that and to almost look for fault and issue with everyone else and not think critically of our own government and the tactics that we use mm. on neighboring nations?
2: Because it's easy. Yeah, I it's 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 easy to remain fearful of other people, of othering other people, mm-hmm. of creating that us versus them and feeling like secure in your own like identity and like in your own community and knowing like oh we are great people and then the them is the chaotic, the them is the barbarians, the them are the ones that are causing the issue. Mm-hmm. It's just so much easier. It takes so much more work to be self-aware. And and know like how you have contributed to the violence in the world. It's it's a lot harder, and it's also, I mean, I'm sure fear is a lot of it. Like again, media propaganda. Like look at what happened like at Wadi Al Fayyum, the kid in Plainfield, I believe Illinois, who was stabbed like twenty something times by his landlord, and that landlord just the other week was like playing with him in his backyard. But then after everything started happening in Palestine, he got scared. He was it was like i'm sure like a lot of stuff got triggered from like all the 9-11 propaganda and um that us versus them really came into play where he felt like he had to eliminate this palestinian family to protect himself and others so he stabbed this child and his mother and killed him and it's and it's it's like i don't think people realize how like how important media is in these times like you that that life falls also on media's hands. Like, the media has blood on its hands. Pol- yeah. Politicians have blood on their hands. Like, mm-hmm. that child was killed because of the propaganda in the media and the misinformation and sure. misrepresentation. It's, it's insane. It's disgusting.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's so heavy.
2: hmm So as someone who
0: is so active in social justice work, um, in activism, how do you protect your spirit? How do you seek mm. respite from all of mm-hmm. this that's happening in the world, um, whether you are you know, bringing awareness to this situation or working with um, sexual assault victims or any of the other work that you do? Yeah.
2: Um, I allow myself to uh, take breaks when I need it. Um, and I try to do it as best as I can without feeling guilt and without beating myself up for it. Um, I think when there is something this heavy and this heartbreaking and this heinous happening in the world, it feels like I, I specifically like feel guilty that I get to just like shut my phone off and step away and live in the comfort of my home and with food and with water. And that I can hear planes flying above my head and not be fearful that they're about to drop a bomb above me. And it's for me to do the work that i want to do for the people that i want to do it for i have to allow myself to take these breaks because that's how i can maintain my advocacy long term mm-hmm. i could watch instagram videos and watch like read articles and do research 24/7 and continuously do advocacy 24/7 and burn out in a week or a month Mm -hmm. and then not be able to do it for a long time after Mm -hmm. or i could be smart about it and protect myself and be able to do this for years and i would rather choose the second option um and i know a lot of people share in that guilt i'm not alone in that i know we have all three of us have talked about like feeling that guilt but i just think it's important for people to give themselves the grace like it's it's not a bad thing that you're safe. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad thing that you're privileged. It's not a bad thing that you're okay. What's a bad thing is not using that privilege to help the underserved. Mm. Right. Um and so I'm I'm going to rejoice in my safety and my mm. happiness and my privilege and I'm going to use that to fuel my momentum in this. Yeah. Mhm.
0: What are some things that you enjoy doing during your time off to center yourself?
2: Um I go out and eat a lot of good food. Mm -hmm. I spend a lot of time with friends. I call my mom a lot and my family a lot, which I think especially in these times has been really good for me, just reminding myself like that my family is okay and that I have my family and that we're blessed and safe. Um, Me and my friends also have been getting a lot closer to our religion, um, which is also like a super cool thing to see like one interesting aftermath from all of this is like people are so curious about the muslim faith now and i think people are like breaking like this seal from the propaganda this brainwashing and like being Mm. are like let me buy a quran and read what this all is about Mm. what keeps the palestinian people so strong what keeps them faithful in like such insane times of hardship um and and that's like that's their faith islam and that's exactly like if that's like that was an inspiration to me it's like if these people in like the most disturbing of times can like see their house be bombed and smile and say alhamdulillah which means like glory be to god like thank you god then i can look around me and be grateful and be happy and content and get closer to god and so um not everybody's a religious person obviously that doesn't work for everybody but for me personally I've been spending a lot more time with my friends. I've been spending a lot more time praying and like learning about my religion, like spending a lot more time like in the Islamic center of Cedar Rapids and doing what I can there. Um, Because I know that like advocacy and stuff starts at home and advocating for these people starts at home. And I truly believe like working on myself and working on my faith and working on my relationship with God is the first step to protecting the Palestinian people.
1: That's beautiful.
2: Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, heavy, heavy uh, yeah, stuff. Yeah, but I think
1: it is important to remember that, to take breaks. Yeah. And I appreciate that perspective of, you know, using your privilege as opposed to just, you know, abusing it.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. Um. So thank you for that.
2: Yeah, of
0: course. <clears throat> is there anything else you want to mention that maybe we didn't touch on?
2: I would just say for, like, people that are tuning in to the podcast if you'd like to follow up with like other credible sources or people on the ground um if you look up Matas azaza um on instagram i on palestine on instagram um Subhitaha, his tag is a little weird it's like s-b-e-i-h dot j-p-g um bisan Biplastia, let's there's a bunch of people that are currently on the ground and um so for example he like specifically like breaks down multiple concepts like he talks about like when how was hamas created like um understanding like what an innocent civilian is versus like an active settler and like what should we do to respond to each case and things like that it's like and it, they even like have multiple resources that you can look up on their pages to like follow up with like resources about like the un and and um uh all this stuff about just like Israel and Hamas and their relations and historical and religious context to the land. And, um, I would just say like, I'm not the only source people should be listening to. I don't think people's education should end here. And if there's like what my main message is like, follow it up outside of me. Like I'm not the spokesperson for this issue or for the Palestinian people. I'm not even Palestinian myself. I'm Egyptian American. And so, um, I feel it's, like, my responsibility to, like, push people to those Palestinian sources and the people in Gaza on the ground and check mm-hmm. them out and watch their videos mm-hmm. um, and take breaks when you're doing so because it is heavy, heavy content. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's all.
0: Wow. I feel like I learned a lot today. Totally.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well... There's really no good way to segue out of this and into our fun game, so excuse this rough transition. You could sing us a
2: little song. Segue,
0: segue, segue into
1: a fun game, doo doo doo, oh, perfect. Caleb dance nope. too, love nope. to see it.
0: Um, so we're going to play our favorite little game, which is still nameless, but it exists. It's a word association game, and I'm gonna say a word as quickly as you can think of a response, um, so like, black, white, whatever comes to mind I feel like first.
2: I'm gonna be so bad at this for no reason. It's <laughs> gonna be so much fun. I, m- ma- I might only make sounds. <laughs> I might <not laughs> even I say also words. support that. <laughs> well,
0: it's, yeah, we just wanna get to know you better. Yeah. Um, it's meant to be fast, it's meant to be fun, um, mm. so don't think no, too hard don't about pressure it. Oh my god, too am I playing
2: to alone? Like, yeah. Yes. Oh my god, the pressure <laughs> is on. Okay, okay, I'm ready. Okay,
0: here we go. Feminism. Advocacy. Monogamy, love, dating, love, Black
2: Lives Matter, progressiveness,
0: queer, love,
2: marriage, fighting. That <laughs> <laughs> my trauma just jumped out.
0: <laughs> 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 we'll save that for part two. Oopsies. Right. Um, parenting,
2: love. I don't know why love just keeps coming up. Love is so great. sorry. I mean,
0: I feel like after this conversation, it's the answer to right. everything. Yeah. Um, polyamory, a lot. Republicans. <laughs> Hate. Nepotism.
2: Unfair. Democrat. B- hypocritical. Barbie. Cute. Psychedelics. Fun. Politics. Not fun. <laughs> <laughs> Blue Lives Matter. The hypocritical. Cannabis. I just thought of weed. That's not very fun, but <laughs> nothing creative. That was very literal. Religion. Uh, welcoming. Patriarchy, uh, sexism, therapy, important. Men hate them. Same. <laughs> Plastic surgery. Ugh, social standards. Fitness. Uh, weight. Hmm. That's all I've got. Oh my God, I you feel like my great. answers were so like <laughs> basic and boring. Why am I not an interesting person? You're no, that super was interesting. interesting. Yeah. Super I just said like love 20 times and called it a day I love
0: that <laughs> we, <laughs> love, I feel like love. we have totally like worn you out of your brain space with right. all of the information you just Honestly, shared with us I
2: appreciate that, that might very well be it my brain is on 5% functioning mode at the moment <laughs> um, it sounded a, very, a little spoken wordy, you were like monogamy, love, marriage, love actually I didn't say love for marriage but we're gonna <that>.
0: you did great yeah it was such a joy and a pleasure um, and a privilege to speak with you today Mm -hmm. and I've told you we need people like you to stay in Iowa Um, I want women to see the work you're doing and feel like there's someone fighting for them and Mm -hmm. recognize that this is a model for behavior and activism Um, I want so many more people to be active. I want young people to stay here and make a Mm -hmm. difference here. Mm -hmm. I know it's so tempting to get the fuck out, um, but (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, a little bit. We really need people like you to be here and share your knowledge and passion with us here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, your activism
1: has been empowering and inspiring. Mm -hmm. So we appreciate that.
2: Yeah, I, I appreciate you guys as well. Yeah, I agree. I think it might be a little bit hard to leave Iowa. Like, me and Kayla, we were talking about like how we just kind of suck, got sucked in here. Yep. Like, once you're here, <laughs> it's really hard to leave. It really is. Um, yeah, I think I've developed attachments to like making Iowa my like project and wanting to fix ev- any and everything here and yeah, I'm sure a lot of people can relate, but I appreciate that. And I agree we need a lot more a lot more activists in Iowa.
0: Mm-hmm. And I also want people to remember that you don't have to do it all. Yeah. Uh, mm. to be an activist mm-hmm. or to be active in your community, it takes just educating yourself, mm-hmm. speaking up, um, doing the next right thing.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's that simple. That's right. Yeah, yeah, just showing up. I mean it, it feels it feels hard not to like literally do everything and join every group and fight for every single against every single problem, but just show up, just support, mm-hmm. send five bucks and or promote events like that that is all supporting. So even if you don't have the bandwidth to actively be involved in every single thing, there's a bunch of ways that you can support. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amen. Yeah.
1: Well, I think that's all we have for you today. It was a lot. Yeah, it it was was a lot. lot. There's a lot to process and digest. Mm -hmm. So be good to yourselves.
0: Yeah. Take a break. Keep learning.
1: Drink a glass of water.
2: Yeah. Have a snack. Yeah. Have a snack. That sounds real good. Yeah. <laughs> I might have myself a little snack. You deserve it. I after think it's this. time for a little tasty treat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But boycott Starbucks and McDonald's. Oh, Don't yeah. get your snacks from yeah. there. Gross. Yeah. Ew. Disgusting. Ew. Like, get uh, make your own snack at home. <laughs> Starbucks coffee is literal ass. It, oh, yeah. it really is. So burnt. Ugh. Gross. Anyways. It's not worth
0: it. Mm-hmm. All right, listeners. Well, we love you so much. We appreciate you. I would love you even more if you'd go leave a review. And a rating, because I look... And I notice when people don't. She's obsessed. I am literally obsessed. <laughs> you're a loser if
2: you don't do that. Thank just so you. you know. Right. Yes. You're literally a loser if you don't do it. See,
1: Mimi thinks you're a loser if you
2: don't rate <laughs> us. So. <laughs> rate right us. I rated them right before I came here. Perfect. Not a loser. See? You should be like me. <laughs>
0: Thanks. You're be like
1: Miriam. Thank you. Yep.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. If you do nothing else in life. Right. Be more like Mimi. <laughs> oh my god. That's, that's maybe
2: that's a little too much. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yes. Thank well, you guys. Love you. Bye. Bye.